In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. On the fourth day of Dead Ball, a snavely gave to me a Boxing Day berating. I I didn't I couldn't rhyme this one. That's it's as, close enough. That's as, that's as best as I got. Hey, I mean we already got three. So we did. Do we, we did. really need any more? We did well. I didn't realize that we were rhyming them all before we started recording. So I feel pretty good about how I've done with myself. Oh, I know you've done well thus far. Yes, we're going back to Boxing Day, and we've got a very special coach tirade against his players i can't wait to tell you about it so stick around we'll be right back after these commercials we'll tell you all about it thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast brought to you by indeed even though sports had a break your business didn't You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast, brought to you by Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Fourth day of Dead Ball. Fourth day. Drew Snavely is doing the introduction. Oh. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online and Indeed, as always, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Adam Whitaker Snavely is here, my co-host. 
Always. <laughs> You're my co-host. Yeah, I'm I, not I, your co-host. Okay, all right. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I believe he, you. And he has a wonderful, wonderful story for us today. I don't know what it is. You assume. I assume that it's wonderful. You said uh, coaches berating yeah. players, which is always a fun time. A real dressing down, yes. so to speak. Oh, man. Love those. I do have a story, a tale for you. Um, and it comes, once again, from Boxing Day. Uh-huh. Which we've already covered. We have. The, uh, a very brief history of. Lots of Boxing Day history. There's so many matches that have been played yeah. on Boxing Day. we got to have looking, at least a few. And when we, when we first came up with the idea for the 12 Days of Dead Ball, we were kind of like, oh, what if we did... A, like kind of a mini series of that was the twelve days of dead ball. Oh, we could do all winter and Christmas, Christmas yeah, themed yeah. stuff. And like, oh, we could do that. And and then we were kind of like, well, there's a lot of Boxing Day games in England. Yeah, we really <laughs> boxed ourselves into a corner. Hey, but this is only the second. We've done four. We've we've recorded yeah. four episodes. So fifty percent clip. And this is only the second Boxing Day yeah. episode. We have one that is just a winter episode, and then one that occurred in america so and it was have, in march and it was in march so it wasn't even it was barely even a winter episode but it was very snowy it was incredibly snowy and that's why we included it <laughs> and that's why it should have been included yes so i'm yes. grateful for you but yes boxing day once again the holiday that occurs right after christmas day in the united kingdom and canada shouts out to canada uh we have the tradition of boxing day matches actually there were christmas matches i found out for a while, for a long, long time. Uh-huh. And people kind of started getting weird and were like, yeah, I don't know if I want a Christmas match. The players were like, I don't know if I want to play with Christmas. I'd rather be with the family. Yeah, I want to be with the fan. Kind of thing. And so in the 50s, I believe it was 1957, um, you kind of had the dying out of Christmas Day matches. Okay. And Christmas Day became just a day free of the league matches in England soccer leagues and Boxing Day became... The day when everybody had off work, and so people would be watching soccer. Yeah. Okay. And that's that uh, kind of where. Honestly, that, it's for the best. Where that tradition started. Yeah. 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 I want the players to be with their families and Absolutely. friends for Christmas. Be able to celebrate some some holiday thing. In the even US, if, even if you don't celebrate Christmas, some some sort of just time off with family. Yeah. Is nice. I feel like in the U.S. They're like professional sports players love playing on Christmas, which I've always yeah. found really weird. You always have the NBA Christmas Day games. They're like, oh yeah, I absolutely love this stuff. I'm like, why? Why would you want that? Just go home and be with your family. Fake <laughs> an injury. So yes, this is a very wholesome introduction to this story, uh, and the rest of the story isn't really that way. So let, thank you for, for getting into the Boxing Day weeds a little bit with me, but now we're going to talk about some misery. Oh gosh. In 2008. Oh, not too long ago. Whole City. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the stuff. Whole City were in the top flight for the very first time in the club's history. Being led there by first-time manager Phil Brown. Okay. He hadn't, he hadn't managed a club by himself before. Okay. Uh, Brown had taken over as caretaker manager with Hull in the championship relegation zone in late 2006. He was an assistant coach, and then Hull were awful and were going to get relegated. And they fired their coach, and they actually made Phil Brown and another assistant coach co-caretaker managers. Mm -hmm. managers. And Phil Brown kind of took care of a lot of the game day stuff. And so they made, after several about a couple months... Phil Brown actually 
led them out of the relegation zone, uh, had a stretch of, right when he started, had a stretch of like three wins and two draws or something like that. Yeah. And just a lot of success. And so by the end of the year, they made him just full manager. Like, job's yours. Yeah. Easy peasy. And he actually repaid that faith in kind because the following year, Hull reached heights they had never before dreamed of, finishing third in the championship. Oh, wow. And winning the promotion playoff to play in the Premier League. Go Hull. That's a big deal. Yeah. Go, go Tigers. Up, up the Tigers. Yeah, you know. Brown and his boys struggled in the yeah. Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is how it goes. Yeah, it's yeah. usually how a, a championship side yeah. does things. And they were shipping goals to their opponents at a rather alarming rate. All of these things came to a head on December 26th, 2008. Boxing Day. Mm. Hull City were matched up against Manchester City. Now, 2008, you may recall, was the year that Manchester City were bought by the Abu Dhabi United Group. Chic. A move that sought to shake up the well-established top of the English table, which was typically dominated by Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Liverpool. Yes. Those were the those were the big four. Yes. And for a long time, there was just the big four clubs. Yes. And then Manchester, Manchester City, City happened. Happened. The first year, however, it was kind of up and down for Manchester City. Yes. They bought a couple people, but they didn't really start buying like crazy until the next season. Yeah. They did break England's transfer record that first summer by buying... Do you know who they bought? Uh, Yaya Torre? Nope. Uh, oh, oh, Carlos him. Tevez? Nope. They bought uh, him from Real Madrid um, for the, the English uh, record at the time of 32.5 million pounds. It's laughable now. Which is so funny now. <laughs> Gosh. I think we bought Luke Shaw for like 25 mil. Yeah, well, you bought <laughs> Harry Maguire for 80. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But I was looking for a yeah, comparable. Sure, 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 yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. Robinho. Robinho. Oh, my gosh, yep. yes. Yep. Yeah. That was when Manchester City had purchased Robinho for Robinho. F- just north of thirty million pounds, which was in England the transfer record at the time, which is very funny to think about. Now. Yes, uh, they at the end of the season, Manchester City actually ended up finishing tenth, so possibly a little bit better than they had before. And like thinking about it, it's weird to think about it because like two or three years before this game. Claudio Reyna was playing for Manchester City. Yes. Like, that was... Manchester City were, like, a mid, a mid-table a team. Yeah. And in sometimes even lower than that. Like, yes. that was just who they were. And then they bought Rubinho and a couple other people, and they were 10th. And then the next season, they went all out. Bonkers. Went nuts. Yeah. They bought Emmanuel Adebayor, mm. who was responsible for my favorite celebration of yes, all time. this is the... Petty. He sprinted yes. the length of the field to go celebrate in front of the Arsenal the fan. The knee slide. <laughs> oh, man, it's so good. Very, man. very funny to me. But this season, Manchester City were not the all-conquerors that they were now. Yes. It should be said. Yes. They were on their way to giving hints of it, though. And they showed it against Hull City on Boxing Day. Oh, gosh. In the first half, Manchester City... Ran over Hull City like a truck. Oh, God. Steven Ireland. Remember Steven, Steven Ireland? Steven Ireland. <laughs> Steven Ireland was rampant. Oh, no. Notching three assists in the first half. Oof. 
The first two to Felipe Caicedo and the third to Robinho. Robinho bagged his first half brace thanks to an assist from Sean Wright Phillips oh, in the 36th minute. Yeah, Bradley Shouts. Wright Phillips' brother, Shouts Sean out Wright. Shouts to the Wright Phillips brothers. The Wright Phillips bros. Shouts out. <laughs> the scoreline would comfortably sit for the remainder of the first half at 4 nothing. Although Robinho, uh, I think it was Robinho or maybe it was Sean Wright Phillips. Somebody on Manchester City missed a golden opportunity to make it 5 nothing before halftime. Oof. Which is... Not good, yeah, as they say in the biz. It's not what you want. No, no. It's absolutely not what you would want to see. Now, scoring four goals in 36 minutes is generally a good way to kill a game off in the first half. Yes. If you go into the halftime with a score like 2 nothing, as we all know, 2-0, most dangerous lead in soccer, yes. in all sports, basically, you don't know what's going to happen. You maybe really they don't. Maybe they come out, they score a goal in the 70th minute, all of a sudden... It's one goal game. Yeah. Anything can happen. Anything. 4 nothing at halftime is a little bit different. Yes. <laughs> 4 nothing is kind of like, we're not coming back from this, lads. <laughs> no. It's not going to happen. It's like, let's just shore up shop and not make it too embarrassing. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hull looks utterly defeated. Gosh. They were chasing shadows. Uh, they were away from home. Yeah. The city players were continually finding pockets of space to operate around them and against them, and they just looked bad. They yeah. looked awful. And Phil Brown... Oh, gosh. ...had had it. Yeah, he, he had, you got to inspire the players at this point. Oh, he was in full managerial inspiration mode. So, <laughs> he decided to do something a little special. Okay. When the halftime whistle blew, the Manchester City and Hull City players began walking towards the entrance towards the locker rooms. Which is the very much the normal thing to do at halftime. Yes. That's what you do. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're in Manchester in December. Because uh, it's miserable outside. Yes. <laughs> Almost it really is. all the time. It's terrible. The city players went into the locker room. The whole city players, however, lingered on the sideline. Their manager having gone out to meet them. Then Phil Brown marched onto the pitch down the field to the penalty area in front of the traveling supporter section that contained a few thousand Hull City fans, with his team following him. He gave the supporters a quick clap of approval before turning around and ordering his team to sit down on the pitch in a circle. And then he let them have it in front of everybody sitting there and television cameras. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What? That is... I don't think I've ever seen that ever happen in modern soccer. No. It's in you know what it reminds me of? What? It feels like Matt Hill. Oh yeah. Like it feels like high school soccer. Yeah. Oh, what's going on with the goal, guys? Like we're gonna go down there. Yeah. And he's gonna either tell us good job, you have to keep going, or that was a terrible, you gotta You're pick it trash. up. You guys you guys are all <laughs> he never told us that. No, no, no. But he would make his displeasure. But it's like, yeah, you're not up to the standard that we have set. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It felt very, very grade school. Yeah. Like Oh, well, we're yeah, going to go absolutely. sit down behind the goal in a circle and talk about what just happened kind of thing. Yeah, that's exactly what Phil Brown did. Except this occurred in front of thousands and thousands of people watching live and many more thousands of people watching on their televisions. 
They're like, we're actually not going to commercial break or doing a halftime report. We're, watching we're just this watching this. Because this is good TV. We're dropping a mic in. <laughs> oh my god. If somebody had dropped like a boom mic yeah. in, I could only I would I would die. Oh man, that'd be incredible. I only could wish. Unfortunately, I saw a video of this event. It did not happen. They didn't yes. pick up the actual audio, but Phil Brown is animated, yes. shall we say, yes. during this discussion. <laughs> When asked about this whole episode after the match, Phil Brown offered the following. I thought it was nice and cold, and I thought I would keep the boys alive because they looked as if they were dead. <laughs> Our 4,000 traveling fans deserve some kind of explanation for the first half performance, and it was difficult for me to do that from the confines of a changing room. We owed them an apology for the first half performance. Oh my god! So what am I going to do? I'm going to scream at my players in front of everybody. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so perfect. Oh, like just... I can't imagine being a professional athlete making, I mean, I don't know how much the, the whole players were making at that time, they, but they're, they're not hurting. Even if they're playing for a small club. Oh yeah. yeah they're yeah. doing well. Oh, absolutely. In the premier league. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing well. Yeah. And to have a coach <laughs> just make you sit down on the field yeah. in a circle and yell at you. Gosh, man, it's so demeaning. <laughs> That's in wild. front of everybody else. <laughs> and they did it. And they did it. They went down. They they went and they sat and they took it. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, I wonder. Wow, I don't know if players. You'd have to really love a manager to get away with it. Oh in yeah. modern in modern days. No. Gareth Bale. If Gareth Bale was on that team, he would just not. He would he just, just walk to the locker room. He just pull up the U.S. Open on his phone. Yeah, the Masters on his phone. Put his mask over his eyes. <laughs> And take, take a nice little nap. <laughs> oh, gosh. The somewhat incredible public berating by their coach seemed to do the trick, sort of. I was going to say, did it inspire the boys? Well, they totally lost the game. Yeah. yeah, well, they, yeah they, not, they, they were not coming back from Like that. we said, you're not coming back from 4-0 down. No, no. I, I'm not trying to instill any false hope here. No. Whole City definitely lost. They did manage to score a goal. Oh. Courtesy of Craig Fagan. Bringing the score to four to one. All right. So not really within possibility, but more respectable than four nothing. Sure. Yeah. And then they gave up a goal to Stephen Ireland five minutes later, <laughs> um, which which would end the game at five to one. <laughs> but if you think about it, in the grand scheme of the game, the second half was a one one draw. That's true. So it's, true. it's much so, better. So much much better. Who am I to say that Phil Brown's dressing down of his team didn't work because in a sense it did seem to work and at least have. a little bit and we're not gonna entertain the discussion of manchester city maybe not playing as hard when they're up four nil with only a half to play no we're not gonna entertain no that no and allow that to be a reason absolutely to not why the second half finished one one it was phil brown's speech. it was phil brown's speech <laughs> outside in the cold in manchester in late december so i have a question about phil brown please did, ask how long did he stay at hull and has he gone to other places since hull phil brown is no longer a football manager okay um he coached a few other places um kind of decreasing in leagues yeah. as he went along but Phil Brown actually coached Hull from 2006 to 2010. Oh, wow. It's a so, good stint. Yeah. And he stayed there throughout this whole season because 
even though they got trashed in that game. Yeah. Which they, they totally got trashed. Absolutely trashed. In that game. Brown did manage to keep Hull City up that season. Oh, wow. They finished in 17th place. Heck, yeah. By the skins of their teeth, <laughs> one point above Newcastle United. Ooh. Which, I'm pretty sure this was the first season that started Newcastle's yo-yo. Uh, because for a long time they were like Premier League mainstays. Yes, they're pretty. Yeah, I mean, decent. obviously, obviously you had the whole like Alan Shearer era. Yes, which they were they were super good. Yeah, and then after he retired, started That's when going. Things. Yeah, yeah, they, we they, had a story on it. They tried to bet big on Michael Owen. Yeah, whose knees are made of glass. Yeah, didn't didn't work out. Did not work no, out for them. No. Uh, yeah, whole city managed to stay in the Premier League over Newcastle, despite Newcastle having a goal differential. That was six goals better than Hull City's. <laughs> Hull City's goal differential in that season was negative 25. It was the third worst. Newcastle's was negative 19. Yeah, it's not great. No, no, not awesome. But we're talking but about... But you're staying up. We're talking about rolling yeah, 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 yeah. size. Yeah, and Hull yeah. City did stay up before they would eventually go down. And Phil Brown left the club. And Dang. then he kind of started managing lesser sides progressively yeah. until he i think eventually retired I yeah think, i'm pretty sure he's yeah he just couldn't take it anymore. <clears throat> he's he's done done now yeah. but for a brief shining moment phil brown was what every long-suffering high school manager wants to be which is just absolutely giving it to his players <laughs> and for full view of all the tv cameras and thousands <laughs> and thousands of people uh, one of the biggest oh stadiums there is that and is, it, and it worked kind of. That's legendary. It really is. That's a, that's a, that's legendary coaching. I move. wonder when he came up with the idea. Like how like somewhere in the first half, he was like formulating yeah. it. He's like, he's like, all right, these guys don't even give it. They don't even care anymore. And so I'm just him. gonna. He had to tell him. He had to tell him that excuses are the nails that built the house of failure. You know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> to to quote a Bath, New York legend. Oh my gosh. That's the way um, that goes. Yeah. I I was just wondering if it was like something a tactic that he had maybe used before or thought about using before I don't to think really so. get the best out of his players. I don't think so because yeah. everybody because because everybody wrote about it because so funny. there was all these things Everybody's that were like, like what everybody was just like happened? all all of the game write ups of this game are like yeah Stephen Ireland was incredible and also what the hell was Phil Brown doing? Who's this guy <laughs> and why is he screaming at his players at halftime in front of everybody? <laughs> So anyway, that's the Boxing Day berating yes. by Phil Brown to get his whole city Tigers uh, to get a second half draw, I guess. Yeah. But just in the second half. The first half was gone. The game was done. Oh my gosh. Some sources for that story. You have Oliver Brett for BBC Sport and James Dahl for Sky Sports. Ugh. Thank you, Adam, for the story. The day four. The fourth day of dead ball. So tomorrow will be day five, obviously. Sick. But if you want to continue supporting the podcast beyond just listening, you can always give us a rating or review, uh, drop us five stars, write a haiku. You can follow us on social media at DeadBallPod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook. We have an email where you can email us questions, concerns, story ideas. We're at DeadBallPod at gmail.com. And if you want to buy a shirt or a sweatshirt or like a hoodie uh, for a special someone that is dead ball brothers themed you can do that at our teespring store and the link is in the description below you so can i believe that's everything that i have i think that's it too all right well we'll see you guys tomorrow thank you so much for listening and we will be back in 24 hours